And good morning. Welcome to the Patriot Radio News Hour. It is the last Monday of the year. So that's a great thing to think about when you think about a Monday. This is your substitute teacher, Glenn Biddle, sitting in for Double J, who is still on a much-deserved vacation with his family. And we constantly say on this show, this show can either comfort the disturbed or disturb the comfortable. Well, today's show will probably address the latter. We have a special guest coming on today in the second segment, Glenn Tate from Prepping 2.0, and that's his podcast. And he's also the author of a prepper fiction series, and let's hope it stays fiction, called 299 Days. Um, And he chronicles a collapse of the United States and how patriots have to deal with that. And we're going to talk about the happenings in Virginia with the Democratic Governor Northam. Uh, You remember him, don't you? The guy who who was outed uh, dressed in blackface. Uh, Yeah, that guy. Yep, the guy that and the newly elected Democratic legislature that was heavily influenced by Michael Bloomberg's Every Town for Gun Safety political action committee that dumped $2.5 million into the Virginia elections this year. And uh, contrast that with the only 300000 by the NRA, which is actually headquartered in Fairfax, Virginia. So you, you see how the election went, and uh, now they're proposing sweeping gun control in the state of Virginia. And there's been a lot of hype about this. Uh, there's a lot of information, a lot of misinformation. So I wanted to bring Glenn Tate on today to talk about this because he has his ear to the ground and his finger on the pulse of what's actually going on. And he can give us a lot of good insight. But first, this is obviously a gold and silver company. And uh, you know, that's how we make money. That's how the show comes on the air. That's how we pay for it. And uh, I wanted to address something with you at, at, at there's a couple data points. Now, I'm a social studies teacher. I, I don't know math very well. I can't spell math. Uh, I stay away from it as best I can. But I, I picked up some data points this morning. You know, Joe's the, the chart guy. I, I can't hold a candle to him. He, he knows the charts upside down, backwards, and the, you know all that. But I, I found some data points today I want to show with you, just looking at gold chronologically from December 30th of 2018 to December 30th of 2019. So I looked at the spot price of gold. Uh, for December 30th, 2018, it was $1,279.90. Now, I, I looked at these uh, figures this morning at 7.50 Eastern time. So um, we're looking at the spot price today, uh, a year later, December 30th, 2019, at $1,513.10. That's a difference, an upside difference of $232.90 for the year. Now, the high price for gold this year was $1,546 on September 3rd. So uh, if you had, had bought before that and then sold it on 1546, when it was 1546, you did pretty good. And then, you know, once again, when it drops below that, that then again is the buying opportunity. And that's when you get into it. Okay. So for year to year, you would have done pretty well for the year if you had invested in gold a year ago to today. So that's good. And then we take a look at silver. Joe calls silver the little brother, the crazy little brother of, of gold. Uh, so silver. December 30th, 2018 was $15.43, and December 30th, 2019, today, silver was at $17.86, a positive in $2.43. So you're, you know, like two, almost two fifty dollars ahead of the game uh, for year to date. Now, the highest gold was this year was September 4th at $19.56. So Silver's moved around a little bit. Uh, gold definitely has moved around a little bit. And, uh, you know, so remember, you're in it for the long haul. So that's how this works. So if we're looking at trends, the trends would show you that as if you buy today, if everything goes according to plan, you know, the, the federal government is devaluing your money. The Fed, not the federal government, the Fed, which is not government, uh, Fed, the Federal Reserve is about as federal as Federal Express. 
Okay. It's not the government. So they're trying to, well, actually they are doing it. The targeted inflation rate is 2% every year. That means your money devalues 2% every year. So by hedging with gold and silver, you stay ahead of the game, hopefully. Okay. And that's the whole point. That's what we try to profess here on this show is to, you know, be your own central banker, back up some silver. You can use the metals plan, that monthly plan that you pay in, and then we ship to you quarterly. You can use a credit card. You can use a check. You know, just let us know how you want to do it, what amount you want to do. You have to do at least $100. The sky's the limit on that. There's no fees. You can start, stop, whatever you want. It's very easy. Our special, whenever you want to call in, you just call in 800-951-0592. Talk to Wendy. And just here's the simple thing. You say, I want the special. And here's the hard sales tactic that we have. How many would you like? That's all it is. And you can get one, two, ten, whatever you want, and we'll hook you up. Okay. So when we come back into the second segment, I'm going to talk more about Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Um, they they are on their uh, station up in Colorado, 1360 KHNC.com. On the weekends, they have their Prepping 2.0 radio show. And they also have a podcast, which comes out every Wednesday, Prepping 2.0. You can get it off the Apple Store uh, and, and download that podcast. There's also other ways he'll explain to you how you can get it. But um, it, it's just incredible. They cover all sorts of different topics, communications, food preparation, uh, all sorts of different things. He'll, he'll talk about that when he comes on. But uh, and also Shelby, his wife, has a also is a author. She has a three book series called A Great State. And it talks about the collapse of the Western states and then how this just spills over into the whole United States. It's actually very prophetic about what's happening uh, today, which is good. So, well, not good, but it's it's a good thing to read a, a kind of a prime primer, if you will, on, on what could happen. And, and that's why we have Glenn on today in the second segment, because he's going to tell us about what's going on in Virginia, which, which is absolutely a mess if you've been following what's going on. Um, so in Colorado, where they have a red flag law in Maryland, we have a red flag law. And it wasn't a month in, in Maryland, uh, the police went to a guy's house to do a, red flag gun confiscation and the homeowner ended up getting shot by the police. He was disoriented. It was early in the morning. He thought, I think he thought he was being robbed um, and it ended up taking his life. And this is how this goes. The due process is on the back end of these red flag laws. That's not on the front end. Now, a lot of the sheriffs I've talked to said they already have the tools they need before any of these red flag laws came in. They already have the emergency protection orders. They can come in and they can, you know, take somebody to the hospital. And the thing is here in Maryland is if you, if you take someone to the hospital for an emergency commitment, if they say they're okay and walk out, there's nothing the sheriff's department can do about it. All right. So when we come back, we'll have uh, Glenn Tate on. We're going to talk about Virginia gun control. It's going to be a great show. So stand by. We'll be right back. California Senator Dianne Feinstein worked for more than a year to get the assault weapons bill passed in the face of ferocious opposition from the National Rifle Association. She says she got the best she could. If I could have gotten 51 votes in the Senate of the United States for an outright ban, picking up every one of them, Mr. and Mrs. America, turn them all in, I would have done it. I could not do that. The votes weren't here. Well, weren't we lucky that the votes weren't there? And whenever the Democrats say, yeah, we're not coming for your guns, do you believe them? Think about Elizabeth Warren, Liawatha. She's coming for your guns. So, hey, Glenn Tate, are you with us? I sure am. Good morning, Professor Biddle. 
Good morning. Hey, we have Glenn Tate and Glenn Biddle. I like to say Glenn Squared. It's always a fun day when we have Glenn Tate on with us. So how's everything going, Glenn? Oh, it's going really well. I love I love being on this show. I've listened to this um, podcast because I don't live in Arizona. Listen to this podcast on and off for 10 years, and it's always cool. For example, I've heard Ramon's voice come on, and then when I called in a few minutes ago, there was his voice. He was talking to me. You know that that kind of that cool sensation when you hear a radio voice and they're talking to you. So love the show. Absolutely love the show. It's so informative. It's formed my um, views on economics, for example, a lot of the things that are covered on this show. And those were reflected uh, in the books I wrote, 10 book series, 299 days about the collapse, partial collapse of the United States and the uh, restoration of it and all of that other stuff. And so it's just really cool to be on the show. Well, we're so glad you're on with us. And I know you had Joe on your show talking about gold and silver and how that works with the prepping community. Just mention that real quick. Yeah, you bet. That was one of our episodes a few months ago. We had Joe on, and the uh, the podcast and radio show is Prepping uh, 2.0. And the name says it all, right? It's that next level. It's the intermediate level of prepping. A lot of folks listening out there have uh, their Prepping 1.0 oh, preps done, right? They have their beans and their AR-15. All that's good. Need to do that. Um, what you need, though, is that next level about community and water and communications and all those things. And it's not just like technical how-to stuff. I mean, there's plenty of you know information and everything, but it's more uh, motivation. We have guests on, amazing guests like Joe Jaquint. Talk about sort of the why we're here questions and what does it all mean and when things break down, as, as my wife, Shelby, and I men, uh, truly believe they will, what does it all mean and how do we navigate through what's coming? Because the goal is to come out on the other side unscathed, you know, you and your family and your, your, your small community intact and uh, rebuild this place and make it better. So it's a positive, you know, long-term outcome that, that we're thinking. It's not doom and gloom. There's nothing weird about it. There are no conspiracy theories, nothing like that. Anyway, that's the Prepping 2.0 part of it. But yeah, we had Joe on the show, and uh, it spawned a little project I'm going to let him announce later that uh, he and I are working on that's going to be pretty cool and put some more information in people's hands. I'll leave it mysterious and vague. I think in the uh, spring we'll have an announcement about that. It was one of our best-received shows. One of the most downloads we got was with Joe on, because people out there that are concerned about this country and are concerned about sort of how fragile the the country is economically, socially, politically. My goodness, all the things that have happened in 2019 that absolutely, and I'm, I'm not a prophet and I never want to claim to be because that's blasphemous and disrespectful to God, but all the things that I predicted and my wife Shelby predicted in our books to see him coming true. You, you mentioned it earlier before I was on. You said, you know, it's it's good news that they predicted. And you said basically, oh, no, it's it's not good news. I mean, <laughs> it's bad news. But that's the short and the medium term. And we'll get through that because we're tough people. We're prepared. We have the right mindset. And, and you know, we have things, gold and silver being one of the primary things to get through it. My books uh, talk about how one of the characters had some silver. He kept buying junk silver and how it played out for him. And uh, it was a happy ending, let me put it that way. So, yeah, those are some of the things. That's the show. And that's Joe that we had on. We've had 62 episodes, and uh, Joe was one of our our most popular ones. Well, that's great. And and we'll talk more about that later near the end of the show. Uh, the why we're here moment today is we're here about Virginia. And, you yeah. know, most people get, get their news from just 
you know, just your various mainstream media. And I w- I'm going to play something here in a second where most people would get this news. And that's why you're here today, Glenn Tate, is to get people straight. Because like I said before, you have your ear to the ground, you have your finger on the pulse of what's happening. So just take a listen to this and just see how, how people are not getting the whole story. Go ahead, Ramon. The message from the voters this election time was clear. For the first time in 26 years, the Democrats have the majority in Virginia, and they didn't waste time filing bills for the 2020 session. Delegate Ken Plum introduced a new bill that would institute universal background checks. The voters want us to do about something about increasing gun violence, and we in Virginia have felt the sting of gun violence. He isn't the only one that filed a bill focused around gun safety. State Senator Richard Saslaw filed several in the state Senate, one also dealing with background checks, another limiting handgun purchases, another putting an age requirement on who can use guns, and a bill that would prohibit the sale or possession of an assault firearm. There's going to be some upset people. Andrew Gillum owns a gun shop in Warrenton. He says the bill that would prohibit the sale or possession of an assault firearm gives him pause. Without fully understanding what an what a assault firearm is, This takes away 80% of my retail. The other 20% of my retail could be bought on Amazon. He also says he's worried about Virginians who already own these types of guns. That's what's going to get people a little bit upset because then in that bill right there, it says possession of these firearms. And that could turn a lot of Virginians into felons overnight. The bill also says the definition of an assault firearm would expand to include a firearm magazine that holds more than 10 rounds of ammunition. This isn't Delegate Plum's bill, but he weighed in on it. Citizens possessing what is essentially a machine gun, you can call it a high-capacity uh, rifle or whatever, it's essentially a machine gun, is not necessary, nor is it desirable in a civilized society. And although this wasn't filed in the House... Uh, I expect you're going to see... Uh, several bills, common sense bills to reduce gun violence introduced in both houses. And with the outcome of the most recent election, I think you're going to see those bills pass. Gillum says he just worries about the ripple effects some of these bills could cause, even impacting other proposed bills. You start losing mom and pop stores, then people aren't going to have anywhere to go do background checks, transfers. They won't be able to transfer any weapons. It's, It's going to be it's going to create some serious problems. There's going to be a big ripple effect with some of these bills. Now, Glenn Tate, I went through a lot of audio to find that clip because that one actually is pretty well balanced as far as you know the pro-gun side, the anti-gun side. And that's hard to find these days on the mainstream media. You know that for sure. But that's the basic information that people are getting. They're not getting a lot of detail. Now, you have to know where to look. And so you, the, the floor is yours. Let us know what you think. Tell us about what's coming. You know, we've got universal background checks, red flag laws, one handgun a month, magazine capacity. Go for it. The floor is yours. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. And I've been really watching Virginia. I think that it could be the the spark that sets things off. And so I've put a lot of energy into this. What I'm about to describe is to the best of my human ability, 100% accurate. Um, we We on the right don't need to exaggerate because the facts – and history are on our side. And when we exaggerate, we lose credibility. And so I've, I'm striving here to be exceptionally accurate. I've spent hours and hours and hours reading and, and listening to things about this. The other thing is I have, I have two kind of on-the-ground people. One of them is a Virginia Senate candidate who lost in this recent election. So I feel like my information is pretty good on that election. And then I have a uh, Virginia guy on the ground who's giving me information about what's really happening. So 
with that being said, here, here's how I see this. First of all, uh, Virginia was, up until you know two months ago, a really gun-friendly place. They didn't have anything to worry about. It's, it's a southern state. Yeah, there are some Yankees. <laughs> I can say that. They live up in the northern couple counties, the D.C. suburbs, but things were pretty good. That all came crashing to an end the first week of November with the elections in 2019, just a few weeks ago. The, the before and after in Virginia when it came to gun rights was stark, and that is fueling a lot of what I'm about to describe, some of the political stuff and possibly some of the, I hate to say it, um, kinetic things that might be coming. So Virginia was really, really a great place to be for gun owners. They thought, hey, we got nothing to worry about. Well, here's, here's what the Democrats did in 2019. And of course, Virginia is one of those states that has off-year elections. So, you know, yes, it was 2019 for those of you that are listening and saying, hey, I thought elections were in 2020 or 2018. Nope, in Virginia, it was 2019. Demographics changed quite a bit in the past few years in Virginia. There are a lot of immigrants, legal and illegal, that have moved into the two northern suburban counties um, outside of D.C. A lot of D.C. federal workers that um, came in with the Obama administration. They're very liberal. Um, uh, immigrants, you know, no matter where you're from and, and how you got here, vote overwhelmingly Democrat. So let's just be honest about that. And then, of course, the Obama office workers that now live in Virginia really, really, really turned those populous northern couple counties in Virginia um, over to Democrats. So that happened. And that was a surprise, I think. I mean, to nobody. I mean, we've been watching it. Um, Texas, by the way, has the same problem, I might add, uh, except the D.C. office people. The other thing that happened when the Democrats win in 2019 Bloomberg and Soros, and who only knows who else, dumped millions and millions and millions of dollars into that state. Bloomberg, of course, running for president. He's a rabid anti-gunner. Um, he's he's a billionaire. You know, you know the whole story with that. The other thing was there was about a forty percent turnout. Hey, Arizona. Hey, everybody listening on the internet in all the other states. Um, you need to get out and vote. I used to be kind of down on voting, to be quite honest. I'm not anymore. Uh, you have to vote. You have to vote no matter where you are. You can be in Virginia where everything's great with gun rights, and then all of a sudden you wake up on a Wednesday morning after a Tuesday election, and all of a sudden they're trying to take your guns away. Don't let that happen to you. So anyway, I mentioned that because of that before and after shock. Well, this could happen everywhere. Um, Bloomberg, with billions of dollars, can go into any state. Arizona is is trending purple. You guys know about that because you live in that state. Um, other states, uh, Colorado, because you know um, I'm on the KHNC radio station that we have uh, in Colorado, so I talk about that. That state, it happened there, so this could happen anywhere. Okay, back to some of the facts. That was political commentary. Now I'm switching into fact mode. I try to be, you know, <laughs> open about that. What's an opinion? What's a fact? Um, there were several pre-filed bills, and and I'm a former lobbyist. I used to lobby for good causes, conservative causes, so I understand the state. Um, lobbying world and legislative process and all of that. There were some pre-filed bills, which just mean before the new legislature is seated in January, um, that's when all these, the, the Democrats, oh, uh, sorry, key fact, the Democrats took the House. The Democrats had the Senate and the governorship in Virginia, and the only thing protecting everybody from gun grabs were the Republicans in the House. Well, the Republicans were swept out because of all this money, demographics, and low voter turnout, and now you've got a Democrat House, Senate, and governorship. So the, the Democrats are running the tables here. They have total control. Even before the new Democrat House of Representatives is in office, they pre-file bills, which just mean they're like drafts that are circulated for 
comment. Um, here's a, and they would ban all semiotic. Uh, semi-automatic guns, rifles, pistols, you mentioned all that. Everybody knows what's in these gun ban things. These bills, these pre-filed bills, would make owning, say, a Ruger 10-22 rifle that we all have one of uh, as illegal as a brick of heroin, right? I mean, let's, I mean, not goof around about legal niceties. I'm a lawyer, too, and I hate legal niceties. I use them in my job, but they're, they're, <laughs> they're not terribly real. No, a Ruger 10-22 equals a brick of heroin in the eyes of the law. So, one of the points I want to make from my lobbying experience, I can tell you, um, at least in my state, and I'm sure it's similar in Virginia, is that Democrats follow orders. They are highly regimented, highly organized, and they do what their leadership tells them to do. Republicans, on the other hand, will actually say, well, um, I don't think this bill is a good idea or my constituents don't want it. They'll actually be sort of independent thinkers. No, 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 not with the Democrats. It is my opinion that when the Democrats pre-filed all these bills, there was a decision that was made. They were sitting around a conference table, and their Democrat leadership said, we're going to pre-file these bills, and these are what we're going to pass. This is an important fact, sort of the, the certainty of passage, because the Democrats have now said, some of them have said, well, we're going to grandfather guns, and we're going to water these down. Um, first of all, I haven't seen the bills to actually water them down. And second of all, that's not how Democrats work when they have a big takeover. Dale Bloomberg a lot because he gave him a lot of money. So um, that's anyway, right. I can't... And they, 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 and Bloomberg expects this to happen. Uh, so when we come back, we're halftime. When we come back, more with Glenn Tate about Virginia. It's a bellwether for the country. We'll be right back. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Senator Elizabeth Warren may be doing well against some of the other Democrats, but she's not doing so hot against the real competition. Trump is trouncing Warren in independent polls of independent voters. One of these polls shows Trump leading Warren by 49 to 43 percent. This is a big improvement for Trump over previous polls when Warren was ahead by two points among independent voters. Warren does not run as well as Sanders does among independent voters, but Trump now has a comfortable advantage of four points over Sanders among this key demographic also. Elizabeth Warren is a liberal law professor from Massachusetts, so she's not exactly the type of candidate who could expect to pull working class voters away from President Trump. He'd have a field day at his massive campaign rallies ridiculing Warren's many blatant lies about her past, not to mention her nutty ideas about policies for now. Warren wants to impose an unconstitutional wealth tax on every American who has more than $50 million in assets. That kind of a tax would prompt the wealthy to flee our country, just like it has in European countries which have tried it there. Also, you can bet the threshold for the tax would be lowered and lowered, just like it was for the progressive income tax. Before long, the middle class would be paying a tax on their assets, too. That would make Americans not want to save, nor invest, or do any of the other practices essential to sound financial planning. The biggest appeal of Warren to Democrat voters is her potential electability. But if it turns out she's not more electable than Hillary Clinton, then I suspect many voters would simply prefer Hillary. The media, too, would like nothing more than a rematch so they can redeem themselves from 2016. Democrats should learn their lesson from the election of 1956, when stubborn Democrats nominated the very same person who lost in the prior presidential election, Adelaide Stevenson. The Republicans won that rematch just as they had won the first time. 
If Democrats put Hillary up against Trump again, it won't turn out very well for them. Then again, if they go with the second-rate Elizabeth Warren, their chances don't look much better. If all else fails, maybe they should try nominating someone who's actually pro-America. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As President Trump fulfills his campaign promises, his accomplishments on trade, immigration, the economy, and protecting the unborn should be celebrated, not ignored or diminished. To track these victories, go to phyllisschlafly.com and find out what's next for the Trump presidency at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. And welcome back to the Patriot Radio News Hour, the last Monday of 2019. Goodbye, Mondays. We'll be back again next Monday in 2020 with Joe sitting at the table because he's uh, he'll be back from vacation. Now, Glenn Tate, thank you for being on today. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Glenn Tate from Prepping 2.0 on. Uh, just he, he is an expert on firearms law he's an expert on litigation on lobbying this is his wheelhouse and that's why we have him on here today now glenn here's a quote from governor northam and and this is typical and i'm going to go a couple different ways with this quote i am a supporter of the second amendment i grew up hunting and fishing we want to make our streets and communities safer now we all know anyone who's studied the second amendment it is not about duck hunting and tin can shooting that is all icing on the cake ladies and gentlemen the second amendment is about keeping the government honest okay thomas jefferson said said this in a lot of his quotes when the people fear the government there is tyranny but when the government fears the people there is liberty uh glenn tate where did thomas jefferson live yeah <laughs> that's one of the ironies of all this glenn it was virginia and the the most uh, amazing pro liberty documents ever written you know emanated either from virginia the virginia state constitution being one of them we'll talk about that more in a moment and then of course the virginians influence on the the federal constitution the united states constitution oh yeah exactly james madison right. the father of the constitution james madison you know uh, exactly you know, you know, he and he, and when you look at Madison, he's he's kind of kind of a strong government guy, but he also put in you know make sure that we had protections. Obviously, the Bill of Rights was was essential. The Anti Federalists weren't going to sign on until they had the Bill of Rights, which made total sense. You know, you had the Federalist Papers that were published, and you had the Anti Federalist. All this, you know, I'm a history teacher, so I love this stuff, right? So <laughs> George Washington, also a Virginian, right? Um, I mean, Virginia has such a deep history. Of, of of our of our founding as a country and the founding fathers and we know that the the trend is today we that all that stuff's terrible uh white nationalism uh patriarchy none of that can be trusted you know bad 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 uh but it, it's it's unbelievable and, and i know northam is a smart guy you know obviously he wouldn't get to where he is without being a smart guy either he knows completely that the second amendment is supposed to uh keep government honest 
or he's just trying to be play dumb and say, oh, I support your right to hunt and fish. I like the Second Amendment, you know, trying to oppose to the good old boy down there that that may not know the, the, you know, the ins and outs of the Constitution. Either way, if he's stupid, that's that's bad. Or if he's totally smart, that's bad because you're manipulating people. Either way, it's bad. Right. Go ahead. Exactly right. And I think that this uh, this aw shucks, I believe, in hunting and fishing thing, I think that worked for the past few decades, some of the time. Um, but I think it's all over now. And the reason I say that is, look at the reaction in Virginia. So they, they, they have all these bills, complete gun grabs. Remember, your Ruger 1022 is, in the eyes of the law, as illegal as a brick of heroin. What's the reaction in the good state of Virginia, where we have folks like Thomas Jefferson's lineage, right? They did some amazing things that I never thought I'd see in my lifetime that are harbingers of things to come and could be coming to your state, wherever that is. First of all, there are 95 counties in Virginia, 90 of them, 90 out of 95 as of today, have become Second Amendment sanctuary counties. And this is an amazing thing where the county says, we're not going to assist the state government or the federal government, for that matter, in enforcing anti-gun laws, specifically these new gun laws that are being proposed, we in, fill in the name of the county, will not be assisting in any way. We forbid our county employees, our sheriff's department, you know, the dispatchers, all the people that run, you know, fingerprints and all that kind of stuff. We, re, we, we forbid you from assisting the state. You know what the irony of all this is, is that Virginia, uh, some Virginia counties, liberals in Virginia, they all were for being sanctuary states and counties and stuff when it came to um, enforcing immigration laws. They said, well, yeah, the law says that we have to cooperate and the law says that this, this activity is illegal, but we think that it, it shouldn't be, so we're not going to enforce the laws. Well, guess what, guys? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you, and this applies to all the sanctuary states and counties out there on immigration, if you want to say that you get to pick and choose, politically pick and choose which laws to enforce, guess what, guys? It works in our advantage, too. And so all these counties in Virginia, 90 out of 95 counties, for goodness sakes, um, have said, yeah, we're not going to enforce this. The, and there were two additional things that were absolutely stunning, never thought I'd see in my lifetime. And that was what happened in Culpeper County, where the sheriff of Culpeper County took this sanctuary thing a step further. And he said, well, you know, this this these proposed gun laws don't apply to law enforcement. Um, I'm going to deputize everybody in the county. Uh, <laughs> think about it. He said there will be thousands of deputies in my county who can all possess guns now. Have you ever heard of such a thing? And then Tazewell County it kicked it up one more notch. And as far as I know, it's the only county that's done this so far. They looked at the Virginia State Constitution, which is a magnificent document, and it says that a county can basically establish a militia. And Tazewell County now has a county militia. And the militia's um, primary objective is to oppose the uh, enforcement of these Virginia state laws. A county has a militia opposing these state laws. What a magnificent outcome. And you can't fake this stuff. This isn't like TV ads and like skewed polls and everything. You've got 95, or pardon me, 90 board of supervisor, you know, members um, in 90 counties. There's usually three on the board of supervisors. You've got 270 people saying, yeah, I'm on record that we're not going to let these laws be enforced. So you've got this amazing outcome. Well, what do the Democrats in Virginia do? Do they back off and say, 
oh, geez, looks like we made a mistake. No, no, no. See, in my opinion, Glenn, here's the opinion part. No more facts for a while. Um, this is a test case. Virginia is the test. I think Bloomberg and whoever else, I don't care, don't know. Um, they're, they're looking for how do we go ahead and take a state like Virginia with strong gun rights? How do we take their guns away? Because they're looking for something to work because it's not working anywhere else. You know, they'll, they'll send out a press release after a mass shooting. Uh, and this was, you know, often in the Obama administration. Hey, we want to take away guns. What happens? They just put every gun on the gun shelf into people's gun safes. People go out and buy them. By the millions, by the tens of millions, they buy guns. And so it was a very ineffective way of getting guns out of people's hands. They were actually putting <laughs> guns in people's hands, right? And so they're looking for a new way. I think this is the new way. And I think that the Bloomberg folks who gave all this money to politicians, I know how money in politics works. Believe me, I understand that. Um, I used to witness it with my own eyes. Um, the Bloomberg folks are telling the people in Virginia, the, the legislators, you're going to do what we say. So they double down. How do they double down? Well, two ways. One is um, one of the uh, the new, uh, I think, in my opinion, communist. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, he's a Democrat socialist, 32 years old, and made his mark in politics by all this sort of hate the police kind of stuff. Anyway, a 32-year-old self-described Democrat socialist. I'll keep it factual here. Uh, introduce a bill to fire everybody in the sanctuary county. I guess we'll talk about I saw that. that. That's right. And also they wanted to cut the funding of those counties as well. So more with Glenn Tate when we come back off the break. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. This is great information. You're not going to get this anywhere else. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Patriot Radio News Hour. This is your substitute teacher, Glenn Biddle, sitting in for Joe Jaquin, who's on vacation. So we have Glenn Biddle on today, and we have Glenn Tate, Glenn Squared. I just love it. Glenn, I wish we had another hour. We could go on and on and on for this. Now, you have a two-hour show on 1360KHNC.com on Tuesdays, the open forum. And I know you talked about this stuff last week. And uh, but but you know here I I looked up earlier today, uh, Glenn Tate when I was doing my research. Uh, you're right, 90 counties, 10 cities, 18 towns have all declared themselves Second Amendment sanctuary cities. I don't want to steal your thunder. I don't know if you were this is the direction you were going in, but if this is the same communist Democrat that said he was going to call out the National Guard against the citizens to enforce the gun laws. That is a problem for me. I was I've served on active duty. Uh, I was also in the National Guard, and you have you have the. Uh, the authority as a officer and and as, and a soldier in the in the military to refuse an illegal or immoral order, and I, I hope the governor thinks I'm a student of history. I hope he is as well. Think about the uh, the people he would be in league with if he does send the national guard out. In in Little Rock, Arkansas, Governor Orville Faubus sent out the national guard to keep nine black students from attending Central High School in Little Rock, and. President Eisenhower had to activate the National Guard, then shut them down, and then send in the 101st Airborne to escort those children through through to school that for that year. They were called the Little Rock Nine. And does Governor Northam really want to push this button? Does he really want to push people this far, Glenn Tate? What do you think? I, My brain and my heart says no, but every shred of information around, every, and I'm a lawyer, I look at evidence, right? I think he does. And and it was a Democrat congressman who talked about the National Guard. And here's how that would work. And you, I know you're a guardsman. Um, this, the, the governor can call up the National Guard to do some things, but the federal government, and that would be President Trump in this case. By the way, 
what if this were a Democrat president, say in January 2021, if Trump loses, the the president could um, then federalize the National Guard in Virginia and say, guess what, guys, um, I'm in charge, I'm the commander in chief, you're now federal troops, you're no longer state troops. And your mission is to shine your boots and uh, stay at home, and uh, which I think President Trump would do. And so you'd have that weird tension. But yeah, talking about, even musing about sending out the National Guard to enforce these laws has even amped it up more. And so, yeah, I think I, it makes no sense to me. I mean, it's not how I would operate or you would operate to send in the National Guard, most of whom, by the way, are going to be like you. And they're going to say this is an illegal order, and they're not going to follow it. They know they're not going to be court-martialed in mass. I mean, there's just – what, the Virginia National Guard is going to court-martial their 7,000 people in the Guard, what, like four or 5,000 people? Um, it's never going to happen. And I am not one of those people who thinks that everyone in the military or, or the police are like awful people and all that stuff. I don't think it gets followed, which – creates another political crisis. So now you have the National Guard either refusing these orders or what I think it would be a combination of refusing the orders and then the president federalizes them and stands them down. Um, and you're not going to have, bottom line, you're not going to have the National Guard enforcing these things. Now, there's one exception to that in my mind, and that is um, a lot of these Obama administration bureaucrats that live in northern uh, Virginia in those counties, the suburb, D.C. suburb counties, a lot of them have uh, reserve commissions and National Guard commissions and are National Guard officers. They might go out and try to enforce these things. And I think that uh, there's going to be some, I don't know, there could be some fragging going on. There could be some, some violence between uh, good Virginia National Guardsmen and that small group of officers, I expect that to not last very long because there aren't too many of those officers and they're completely outmanned and, and outgunned. And so then you've got the question of what does the Virginia State Police do? And this is the scenario, the state police in this scenario, that, that's the one I really focus on. So you're going to have the state police in the blue areas, those northern couple counties, um, probably enforcing these laws. And so if you're driving, you know, through Virginia and you get pulled over and, and you have an AR-15, you're now a felon, five years in prison for you. Um, by the way, I think there's going to be some shooting back at some of those traffic stops. None of this stuff I like, by the way. None of this I'm cheering for or rooting for. I'm just being a realist. Well, what happens in the 90 counties that are sanctuary counties? Um, well, presumably, this bill is passed to cut off all of their funding and to fire them all, well, you're you're a patriot, or you're not even a patriot in, in one of these 90 counties. You're just a regular person. You're going to look around and say, really, what do I have to lose? Um, you know, <laughs> they've fired everybody I know that works in the county, um, and so we're going to do this on our own. I suspect Tazewell County won't be the only one with an official county militia, and I suspect Culpeper County will not be the only one in which everybody gets deputized. This is just, this is just you know, chaos. And this is this train wreck, this snowballing uh, effect is going on. Well, at the same time, as I mentioned, the, the Virginia State Police, they have to follow orders of the governor. I think similar numbers of them, except in the northern counties, will um, not follow these orders. Because, you know, you live, let's say you live in Culpeper County, or you're in the you know state police office that covers a couple counties in that area. Last thing in the world you're going to do is start taking people's guns. First of all, they're your neighbors. You know, your kids play football with their kids in high school and stuff like that. You're not doing that. I don't think as a as a sort of a physical, tactical matter 
that it's going to be effective. So now you've got the state police in these 90 out of 95 counties not enforcing this law. So the Democrats then need to keep, I don't know, passing more and more laws that aren't going to be enforced. The nation is looking on at this point, right? I think, and this is already happening, by the way, this is not thinking, this is from my friend on the ground in Virginia. A lot of good folks from neighboring states are coming to Virginia in January. Um, there's a there's a big rally, January 20th, gun rights rally. A lot of folks from, you know, Kentucky and North Carolina and places like that, Tennessee, um, are coming, West Virginia, are coming to um, hang out and see what happens. And this could become a really big, really big powder keg right here. This is no kidding around. This is the first time I've seen this. First time I've yeah, said man, this we, is a powder keg. And we certainly we certainly don't want any violence, that for sure. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap the final segment with Glenn Tate. And welcome back to the Patriot Radio News Hour, 800-951-0592. You can give Wendy a call and see what we have on special today. Uh, Friday, we had uh, $20 Liberties. Uh, maybe we still have some of those available. You can always go to the website, allamericangold.com. Take a look at the shop button and see what's there. Always some good stuff, junk silver, regular silver, gold and silver. That's what we do. Okay, We don't sell uranium. That's Hillary Clinton. She sells uranium. <laughs> we don't. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, Glenn Tate, um, when we when we left off last segment, we were talking about the big lobbying day, uh, January twentieth. I live in Maryland. We have an apple out of this barrel every year. We have to go fight our legislature tooth and nail. They come after us every year. Last year was an especially hard year. This year is going to be just the same. Um, one of the um, organizations I've really looked closely at is the Virginia Citizens Defense League. They seem to be one of the big organizations there that has really put together a lot of organization, which is good. Uh, Palmetto State Armory offered a lower receiver with their logo on it, and $10 towards that lower receiver cost went to the Virginia Citizens Defense League. I, of course, bought one. That'll be my next build in support of Virginia. Uh, always a good thing to do. Uh, now, we, when we left off, uh, and what two things I want to do in this segment, Glenn Tate. One is how we connect to you and your show and, and your materials and all that, because you're, you're an important resource here. And the other thing, just real quick, uh, some wrap-up. You know, We have the red flag law that's proposed, one handgun a month, magazine capacity ban, universal background checks. This seems like we're throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. It's probably all going to stick because of what you said to make up the legislature is. Um, Go from there. Final thoughts, and how do we contact with you? Go ahead. Yeah, the showdown is in Virginia, and it's it's uh, ironic's not the right word. Coincidental, prophetic. I don't know what the word is, but here's the thing: uh, the birth the birthplace of all these freedoms in this country, Virginia. Now it's come full circle, and you lose one election because of a bunch of millionaire money and some demographic shifts and low turnout, and now all of a sudden you got to fight this over again. If the Virginia Democrats were backing down, they would have done it by now. There's a political no-going-back sort of philosophy, and when you've got 90 out of 95 counties saying as loudly as they possibly can, heck no, no way, we are not following your stupid laws, it gets people to think in those counties, you know what, there are a bunch of other goofy laws that they pass in this state that I don't like either that I've been sort of putting up with. So politically speaking, the time to back down was a long time ago, and it ain't happening. People are coming in from, as I mentioned, all over the country. This could be the thing that sparks it off. Um, we're already seeing the Virginia effect elsewhere. Some states are having um, counties passing Second Amendment sanctuary status. And then other 
states, even good ones we didn't think this would be a problem in, um, are starting to pass Virginia-like, not pass, uh, pardon me, again, trying to be factual, propose, they're proposing gun bans and everything else. It's like the Virginia thing is spreading all over the place. Um, so, yeah, there's. I think this is going to be a big deal. We'll know more in January of 2020 and then into February and March. We'll see how it goes. We hope that it just is a big nothing burger and turns out to be nothing. But you can't take this stuff back, you know. Anyway, so back to uh, contacting us. Um, Prepping 2.0 is the name of the show, and uh, we're on KHNC. We'd love to be on KXXT, by the way. But um, episode 59 that we recorded and released on December 18th, episode 59 of Prepping 2.0 is available on the website, prepping2-0.com. It's all about Virginia, and uh, it's one of our better episodes. I'm very proud of it. And thank you for having me on the show and getting this message out. Absolutely, Glenn Tate. We're so glad you came on today. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if it can happen in Virginia, it can happen anywhere. That's why we had the show on in Phoenix today. Thanks a lot. Stay tuned tomorrow. I'll be back again. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs>